You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Well, hey, Harlan, how are we doing today? Good, good, good. Hey, I want to say hello to you who are watching us online. You are on a paddleboard. You are in a canoe. You're on a boat. And that's awesome being uh, just tuning in with us. And we're not jealous at all. Uh, But can we say hey to our family who's watching us through the magic of that screen, through the wires and the satellites and the things and then their devices and all those things. We just, we love, we love our family. Um, Well, hey, I uh, realized um, I'm not crazy young anymore. And I realized this because um, more, more frequently the decisions I'd be making about the activities I participate in started to have more, um, uh, the, the external environments started to have more of an impact on whether or not I would actually pursue an idea or not. Um, it used to be if I wanted to like take a road trip, it didn't matter what time of the day it was or what the weather conditions were outside. I, the conditions didn't matter. My will to go mattered. And so I just go. And uh, recently I've realized that conditions are becoming a little bit more important to me. Are they important to you? I don't know if like external conditions are a thing that you think about. Here, here's one. Uh, so a couple, a couple weeks ago, um, it was the right day for me to try and launch my old, old, old family boat back into the water. Speaking of being on the water, being on a boat. Um, I, I have a boat. It's, um, it's more of a white elephant gift than anything else. But uh, my, my dad gave it to us. It was a boat that he bought back in the 90s. And so it's, you know, almost 30 years old. And, and, and he gave it to us. And we brought it down here. And we're putting, it's not, not, it's not too far away. And, and, and the other day, my dad was in town. And he looked at me and he said, hey, why don't we try and get the boat on the water today? And I thought, hey, you're in town. This is perfect. And, and so um, we, got, we got down there. We got, got the thing. It started right up. Old faithful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was clean, surprisingly. And, and all of the trailer lights worked. And like everything about this was just like surprisingly smooth until we got to the boat ramp where we launched the boat. And we looked out over this big lake here, here in Kansas and, and realized um, these waves were bigger than anything this boat had seen in a long time. For whatever reason, the wind was whipping up waves this day. And the the, the ramp to get the boat into the water was a little steeper than anything my little Honda SUV had pulled a boat out of. And, and um, to make matters worse, we, we didn't know how deep the launch was. I had in the bottom of my stomach this pit, this feeling that like something tragic is about to happen. This is the day that something here dies. It's not gonna be me, it's not gonna be my dad, it's probably gonna be my car or the boat. And so we looked at each other and we said, 
we've launched this thing a thousand times. What could go wrong? And so we um, backed the car up and through our expert craftsmanship and seaworthiness of, 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 of our vessel, we um, push it into the water and the waves slammed it back on the trailer. And so I said, Dad, what if I get a running start? And so um, I pull it up, up the ramp, up the ramp, and my car is like barely moving. I'm praying the whole time. I literally in the car did one of these, you know, like with my body to get it up the ramp. And then I, I, I launched it back a little bit further and tried to push it in, and it just went sideways right on us. And I said to my dad, Dad, conditions today just don't seem to be perfect for us to go out. And with a ton of disappointment, we both agreed to let the old, old, old boat live to fight another day, and we tied it back up to the trailer and got it out of there. Now, isn't that the most boring story you've ever heard? <laughs> it was a good thing that we did that, though, because um, we, got, we got it back to our house, and we realized that in the midst of us trying to launch the boat, and just by turning the key, we had created, unbeknownst to us, a massive problem with our engine. That had we put water through our engine that day, I would not have a boat today. Something about that feeling, something about that internal, like, conditions aren't right, saved me a very expensive repair, which me, me and my dad, we fixed the boat with a pocket knife instead of with thousands of dollars. Something about conditions not being right allowed me to save myself some heartache. Um, conditions. Conditions being right is a big deal to us. We all think about, are, are the conditions right in my life for this? Last year, uh, Kristen and I moved from the Chicagoland area here to Kansas. And um, did anybody buy a house last year? How were those conditions for you? Right? Some of you are still trying to buy a house today. Right? You, you ask yourself questions of like, is the time right? Is the, is the world right? Do I have what it takes? A lot of times, the answer for these questions in our life, are the conditions right for me too, is simply just answered by this. Are the conditions right because I have enough money? Are the conditions right because I have my health? Are the conditions right because I found that special someone? Some of us are, are we say, well, the conditions will be right when I'm in college, or the conditions will be right when I'm out of college. I'm curious, what are the right conditions in your life for you to move forward with the things that you have to move forward with? More specifically, because I'm a pastor, I care deeply about your soul. What are the right conditions in your life for you to praise God? Are there indicators in your life? Are there moments, are there waves on the seas and angles to a boat ramp and feelings in your gut that you depend on for those moments when it's right for you to praise God? I wonder, are the conditions right in your life today for you to praise God? And if you're like me, you're like, well, Dan, that seems like a trick question. I don't know what the right conditions would be for me to praise God. Oftentimes, the conditions in my life, I feel like I want to praise God whenever something good happens to me. Whenever I feel like I'm winning in the world, quite frankly, whenever one of my sports teams win, I praise God. That's about as shallow as I can be, right? But what are the right conditions? Are you saying there are right conditions? Well, that, yes, I am. And here's what I want to lead us through over the next couple of minutes. In the 150 psalms that were penned, 
I think one of them stands supreme amongst all the rest as a way for us to understand the right conditions that exist in life for us to praise God. It was penned by uh, the king named David. David was one of the greatest rulers in the ancient world. He was one of the greatest rulers in Israel's history. He's one of the greatest people in the Bible. Through David's lineage would come Jesus the Messiah who would save all of us. So David's a really important guy. And David wrote this psalm here in Psalm 63, if you want to follow along with me. In psalm 63, it says this. It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Okay, let me just stop right here because this sounds a little bit like Shakespeare, doesn't it? Isn't this a little bit flowery, poetic language? Oh, come on, guys. Some of you haven't even written this type of stuff to your wife, okay? <laughs> right? This is a little, this is like soul-bearing type of things. This could be maybe a little uncomfortable to read. And I want to remind you who David was, right? David was um, not just good with a pen. Dave, da da Dave, wow. Me and Dave are first name basis, you know what I mean? <laughs> David uh, was the guy who took down that giant Goliath, right? If you're, if you're in business and you feel like a David and Goliath, you're thinking about this guy, okay? Uh, David was the guy who killed a bear with his own bare hands. That's why they're called bear, never mind. David uh, was a king who, at a young age, navigated a tenuous ascension to a throne with a guy named Saul who was uh, out to get him and an anointing by God and the rightful heir to the throne, and yet uh, he had to work his way into that. David had 300 men who were, who were, who were uh, close to him, who would fight, who would give their lives for him. David was a bro. David was a dude. David was a guy. And David knew also how to tell God what was going on in his heart. You know, I think that's one of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity, is the ability to look inside of yourself and to tell God exactly how you feel in the moment about him. And notice where David is. I mean, I just, let me just stay here for a second. Um, this is like the goal of my life. I don't know about you, if you've got like the ideal spiritual life for you, this, this relationship between you and God, what it would look like, what it would sound like, this is what it would sound like in my life. I have read these words uh, from Psalm 63 over my life for the past 15 years and have desired to have this type of life. I brought this psalm to you today, not because I have this kind of life, but because I want this kind of life that says that you, God, are my God, that earnestly I would be seeking him, that I would thirst for him, that my whole being would long for him. I want to ask you, what type of situation is David in in which he can actually say to God these things? Because I want to be in that type of situation. I want those circumstances in my life. Those are the right circumstances for me to praise God the way David praised God. And the, the way that we know where he is, is actually by just reading the, the last two lines of this verse. Look, look at, look at this. Y'all ready? Here's what he said. Here's where David is. Here's how he got to this. He said, because I'm in a dry and parched land where there is no water. The key to us being able to praise God is not that life is going well. The key for you to know God and to find God is actually to acknowledge that there are times in life 
where you can feel like nothing is going your way. David says that he's in a dry and, a, and weary land where there is no water. Now that was not a metaphor, that David was actually in the desert. David, uh, we believe, was uh, running from his son, uh, Prince Absalom, who was trying to take his father's throne. And to do that would require him to kill his father. You think you've got problems with your kids. David's son was trying to take the throne away. And it put David on the run. It made him flee everywhere that he uh, could find safety and go out with his 300 men into the desert. And in the desert, when he's on the run, when he's got no water to drink, everything around him, he looks at God and he says, God, you're so good. Everything that I need in this life comes from you. David, in the desert, he, he looks around and he says, God, I want to praise you right now because my body is thirsting for water, but more than the water that I need to drink, I need you to be with me right now. Here's what we learn about the right conditions for us to praise God. It's this, is that in distress, conditions are perfect to praise God. In distress, conditions are perfect to praise God. I don't know if that's a little surprising to you. That's a little bit surprising to me to find that it wouldn't be when times are going well, but when times are really difficult is the right time for me to praise God. Um, I have, as a pastor, walked through some of the highs and lows of people's lives with them. It's one of the privileges that we have as pastors is to be a, a sense of comfort and support and guidance for people in difficult times. And I am amazed to this day, I wouldn't have expected unless I'd seen it, the amount of times that people who are diagnosed with cancer, often within the first 30 minutes of hearing the news, somehow find the voice to say, God is still good. And there's that type of praise, that type of confidence, that type of earnest love for who God is, this, this faith in God's faithfulness that shows up in a genuine way only in the midst of a challenge. It's in the midst of the crisis that David praises God. He says, you're my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land. David takes the real challenges around him and he restores them. He says, God, all this that I'm out on the run from, I know that you're not running from me. And I seek you even though there's someone seeking me. And I'm thirsty for you even though I'm thirsty for water. It's in the midst of distress. The, the conditions are perfect to praise God. And so here, here I want to keep moving. Look at, what God, look at what David does in verse two. He looks back. In his praise, he looks back to God. He says, things aren't really going really well right now, God, but there was a time in my life where things were going better. Look what he says. He says, I've seen you in the sanctuary. We'll come back to that in a moment. And I beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Okay, so David's on the run in the desert and, and he's far from the palace. He's far from the place where he would go to praise. He would go to the temple. 
this is the place where David would consistently see God's power and his glory, where he would be reminded of God's love and his favor, where he would see God um, atone for his sins and make a way for him to have a relationship with him. David would gather in the temple with other people who would also be in the same situation as him, desperate for God to move in their life. The, the sheer quantity of people showing up together in the temple was an encouragement to one another that God was alive, God was moving, God was at work in their lives. That place for David where God was at work was the temple. And here in the wilderness, David was far from the temple. David, David was on the run away from the place where he most intimately felt God's presence. And I think that tells us this lesson. Is, see, see, here's what it's saying to us. is that over long distance, over long distance, conditions are perfect to praise God. I don't know when I say the words long distance, if some of you go back to the dating years of your life between you and your spouse and you shudder and you hate those days and you don't want to go back to those days because those were terrible days. She was on the other side of a country or on the other side of the world. You were on the other side of the country, the other side of the world. It, it took so much intentionality, so much uh, of, of the passion inside of you just wanting to be with the other person and yet conditions weren't allowing you to be with the other person. It made you want to be with them even more, didn't it? I remember when Kristen and I started dating. We dated for two months and then she spent two months in Africa. So we dated for two months and then she left for two months. And we had this agreement. We we're like, shoot, I'm just getting to know you. I don't know if this is going to work. Like, I like you, but I don't think we're, you know, we're not getting married right now. Let's just see if we can survive being apart from each other for two months. And guess what? We almost didn't survive being apart from each other for two months because long distance relationships are hard. They are brutal. And anyone who's ever been in one said, yeah, I, we had this technology um, when Chris and I were dating. It was um, back in the, you know, the mid-2000s. And uh, there was this really cool thing called Skype. And one of our computers had like decent internet. And the other one of our computers still had dial-up internet. You all think I'm super young, don't you? But now you're like, maybe he's not. I don't, he remembers that AOL thing. Uh, and, and I remember... Um, we would have to send emails to compare the time zones to make sure that our schedules lined up and, and prepare our calls in advance. It was really difficult. And I actually tried to count back how many successful times we connected over Skype and had a significant conversation. And over the span of eight, eight to 10 weeks, I think I can count it was one. <laughs> I, I remember like... Um, so, so my college days, I played a lot of golf, y'all, and I'd get off the golf course, and I'd race home, and I'd, I'd sit at the computer, and I'd wait for her to ping and show up, and, and more often than not, this is what it looked like. You know the thing? And it made me so angry. I felt so, like... Like, my heart is here to connect with you, but I don't know how to connect with you. Long distance, while we tried to overcome the distance with technology, it made it incredibly 
difficult. And, and I think this is a little bit what David is saying. He's saying, God, I, I feel a distance from you that's making this a little difficult for me, but still I'm going to praise you in the midst of it. I'm still going to choose to relate to you even though I feel distant from you. And to do this, David says, he, he looks back. He says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and your glory. David says, when it comes to long distance, feeling distance is a great indication that the time is right for us to seek God. And he goes back in his mind to the sanctuary, the sanctuary, the sanctuary. That's a word that we don't have here at Heartland. This is an auditorium. What is a sanctuary? Well, the sanctuary was a place in the temple which was the meeting place between God and his people. Sanctuary, it comes from this, this, this root word of just being separated or set apart or distinguished for a certain purpose. There was one room in this temple where people would come together just for the purpose of praising God. It was the sanctuary. The sanctuary was where um, God's people gathered to praise God, to be healed, to be forgiven of their sins, to be reminded of God's promise, to sing together and encourage one another. Three times a year, uh, the men would get together for feasts in the temple and they would commemorate God's faithfulness, their activity through history, his bringing them out of Egypt, out of the desert, out of the wilderness, and giving them the promised land. They would remember God's faithfulness to them while they were in the midst of the sanctuary. Just the very nature of everybody coming to the sanctuary together to praise God was an act in itself of worship. And then they would open their mouths and they would praise God together. It was this awesome moment of, of God's power and his glory to show how he had formed and, 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 and caused all of these lives to fall into his rule and reign. How great God was, was demonstrated in the sanctuary. And in the wilderness, far from the people that were gathered together, David says, God, I looked back and I remember how good you were in the sanctuary. And I remember your glory. I think there's a warning for us today in this. Everybody's like, oh great, here comes the part where like the pastor's gonna yell at the people who are online because they're not in the sanctuary. <laughs> I'm not coming for you guys, I'm not. Um, but I do think there's, there's a warning for us today in 2022. When technology has closed the distance, when we've actually been able to take the message of Jesus Christ and broadcast it around the world, that is an incredible thing that we will not stop doing because it brings people closer to God. But there is something better for us when we gather together in the sanctuary to praise God. Amen. And we know that's true because when David was out in the wilderness, he said, the one place I want to be right now, the one place that my soul yearns for, the, the perfect conditions for me to praise God are in the sanctuary. But even though I'm not in the sanctuary, I'm, 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 I'm over a long distance. I'm going to praise God right here in the midst of my distress anyway. David wants to be encouraged by the sanctuary. Why? Why is it so important to him that his soul finds God's glory in the sanctuary? It's because this, because in the sanctuary is the place where David could look around and see how God had healed and restored not just himself, but everybody else in the neighborhood. How God, yeah, yeah, I'm coming for you. I'm getting you. Hold on. In the sanctuary was a place where David realized he was, it was not just him and God, but there was a community of people who had found God's power. You know what happens to me whenever I go online? I, this is just why I don't really do Instagram, why I don't do Facebook, I don't do all that stuff. Here's what happens to me. I, I go online and I go, 
gosh, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who doesn't think this way. I'm the only one who does think this way. I'm the only one who feels like I see this. I'm the only one who feels like my, my friends don't care about that. I'm the only one. I, right? And so there's something about this technological distance that we've all grown accustomed to that is alienating to ourselves. And, and listen, if your soul's only engagement with God is online, you might feel like you're the only one. And what David says is that the physical presence of God is what makes him realize he ain't the only one. That being together in a room full of people who are together with their one voice, crying out, physically giving praise to God. I mean, you, let me just walk you through it. Here's how physical this is for David. What I have seen, what is that, everybody? That's your eyes. You in the sanctuary, that's your feet being planted in the room. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. That's like, I'm going to make a, a, a song of praise. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will, come on, everybody. I mean, I will lift up my... My hands, right? I will be sad. This is, this is something we don't do. Maybe we'll start this. I don't know. If you guys want to bring your smoker into the, into the parking lot and give us some rich uh, foods, that's like the fatty portions of the meat. That's like, uh, that's some Kansas City barbecue right there, y'all. You didn't think that that was in the Bible, but it's right there. <laughs> Verse 4, Psalm 63. I'll be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. Dave was remembering to the Passover meal, the, 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 the Feast of Booths, all of these festivals that happen together in the church community, right? And with the singing lips, my mouth will praise you. His lips, his feet, his eyes, his stomach, his hands are all engaged physically in the praise of God. And here's just what I want to say to us. This is not a condemnation. It's an encouragement. This is an aspiration. This is a dream. I, dare I say it? I have a dream? Yeah. I do. I have a dream about this, 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 this physical place that we come to right here. Olathe. Not in Prairie Village, everybody. Olathe. Online benefiting from Olathe. You know how like Arrowhead Stadium's like renowned for being the loudest stadium in the world? Do you know that? Have you heard that before? You guys have heard that before? That's like a thing we brag about, right? We got the World Cup. Why? Because we're loud. I, I have this dream about this place that this would be the loudest place praising Jesus on a Sunday morning in the world. This place. Right here. Not because, listen, listen, listen. Not because we've got powerful speakers and subwoofers, although I, I ain't complaining about that. I mean, we could fade up the music as loud as we want. I don't care about that. I want this to be the loudest place. I'm begging God to make this the loudest place because people walk into Heartland Church physically present to be with one another. And in the act of looking around and coming from the long distances that we've come into the, the, the close proximity to one another, the encouragement of the fact that God is working in your life and in your life and in my life makes me look around the room and want to lift up a shout of praise and raise my voice and raise my hands to say, now. Now the conditions are perfect for me to praise God today because I'm in God's house with God's people on God's day singing God's praises. That's the dream that I have of this place right here, right now. That one day, God, you would make us a people who see that the conditions can be perfect for us. Which means, um, <laughs> no shame, please, no shame, but, but we need you here, right? 
I love, listen, listen, listen. I love that, that we're able to, to be a part of your vacation experience. We will not stop live streaming our services. You are more than welcome. I will be actually encouraging our team to put more energy into our live stream experience in the future. Because I believe it is really an incredible front door for us to do ministry to help our neighbors see what's going on in this place. But, but I want the place because I've seen God's power in the sanctuary. And it feels like we're almost there, but we're still far from home. And so God, would you bring us to that place? Yeah. Yeah. David says, in distress, in distress, it's the perfect time. When you're over a long distance, it's the perfect time. And then, and then here's, here's this. I want to end here, and then I actually want to give us a chance not just to talk about it, but be about it. I want us to praise God in a couple, couple seconds. But um, he says this. Um, he says, on my bed, I remember you. And I think of you through the watches of the night. I think this hits really close to home for a lot of us because if we're honest, um, when you don't sleep at night, you don't want to do anything, do you? When you don't sleep well at night, you want to call off of work. When you don't, when, when, when you don't sleep well at night, mom, you got a brand new baby in the house and that, that kid does not sleep and it feels like war and you don't negotiate with terrorists, <laughs> but you have no choice because you're mama and that baby's crying, not for dada, but for you. And you give that child the watches of the night, you don't, you don't want to do nothing at 7 a.m. You want to sleep. You want what you need. And, and I think David has this similar type of experience when he's on the run from his son. He, he's not able. Sleep is a luxury for those who are at peace. And a lot of us are not at peace. And a lot of us, because we're not at peace, we feel like now is not the right time to praise God. But here's what David says. He says this. He says, here, here, here it is. Awake. Here it is. Awake at night. Conditions are perfect to praise God. Awake at night. Conditions are perfect to praise God. I don't know. David's not giving us some formula for spiritual ambient. David's saying is that in the moments where my life, the, the rhythms of my life are so messed up that it doesn't feel like I can even function, those are the exact right moments for me to lift my head and give God some praise. My heart feels far from the words that I need to say. Those are the exact right moments for me to lift my voice and my hands and my lips and say, God, you're so good. He says, God, on my bed at night, I remember you. I'm not letting the problems of this world or the situations around me or the circumstances that I'm living in dictate what I think about you because I remember you're in control. When his heart was anxious because people were coming to get him, he said, I look at you in the watches of the night. And I wonder when, when you can't sleep, do you praise? Because when you can't sleep, conditions are perfect for you to praise God. Here's what David says when he can't sleep. He says, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. He says, I cling to you and your right hand upholds me. I cling to you 
Your right hand upholds me. He says, um, cling. I got a lot of couple kids and in, in, in our family, um, we've taught them all to swim at an early age. And there's that thing that parents do in the pool where they trick their kids. It's total trickery. Jump, I'll catch you. And you kind of let them get in a little bit and then they go under for a second, but you got them, right? You're not letting anything happen, but you're gonna teach them like you're okay. And then after we've done that with every single one of our kids, um, they've done this motion where they act like a spider monkey and they climb up on top of our heads. We have to like pry their hands away from our throat because they're choking us. They're, they cling. They're like, they, they just cling on us. And, and this is the picture that David has is that, God, I thought you'd catch me and the water got over my head for a second. And now that I'm above the water, I'm climbing up on you. Because between the two of us, you're going down before I do, God. And, and what we don't realize in those moments, what a, what, a, what a little toddler doesn't realize in those moments is that not only are their hands around the neck of their parents, their parents' hands are around them too, right? There's this mutuality to clinging. David in this one verse, I think, sets right all of what we get wrong in this whole idea of like us having free will and God having like sovereign will. And I think it's kind of like both. What David's saying is that, God, I know you run the world, but I'm choosing to grab onto you right now. And I know, God, that if ever I would let go of you, I'd still be held by you because you're holding on to me more than I'm holding on to you. It's in these moments of our sleeplessness, restlessness, our anxieties, when we realize that we're being held stronger than we're holding on. And that helps me praise. This past week, um, I asked some of you to send me stories to our church. So we opened up an email address, stories at heartlandchurch.org. And um, a little technical glitch prohibited some of you from sending them in, but, but we got many stories in uh, throughout the week. Uh, we fixed the glitch, right? Uh, not in an office space kind of way, but in like a legit, we fixed the glitch type of way. And um, this was the most fun part of my week. The most fun part of my week this week was just hearing how God has shown up in your lives. I heard stories of, of um, people who have restoried fatherhood. St stories where God had brought together um, a father and a son who were wayward. Stories where um, God mended the, the relationship between an alcoholic dad and his son. Stories where um, one dad lost his job in the moment that his family was totally broke. I have one story where a guy shared with me how God preserved his life through a head-on collision with a car at 80 miles an hour. And these are all stories that with some of these permission, I'm going to share with you over the coming weeks and months, and I'm excited to do that. But um, every single one of these stories had a line in it that captured my attention. Every single one of these stories, to, 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 a, to a story, had this line in it. It was incredible. They described these life-threatening situations or these pit-of-life pit of moments. And then every story had this phrase, but God has been good. Every one of them. And that showed me that what David 
says is true about praise. That um, when we're in distress, when we're over a long distance, when we're awake at night, when, when we don't think the situations in life are ideal, the conditions are not right for us to praise God, that actually those are the perfect conditions for us to praise God. And that's not the Bible telling us that, that that's you telling us that. That in the midst of hard things, God was present in the midst of it. I'll just share one of the conclusions of the story with you. The, the, the dad who lost his job, it turned out that God was working in that family. Here's what this one person wrote. She, she said, um, but it's okay because my, my dad actually was able to get a better job that paid twice as much as what his last job did. And God knew exactly what he was doing to help provide for us in a time of need. What we thought was going to be ruined, God made a blessing. And that's what God does in our lives. David would survive Absalom. David would continue to be the king. David would go back to the sanctuary. But because he'd been through the desert, he went back a different person. Because he chose to praise God in the hard circumstances, he went back praising God a different person. And I don't know what circumstances you're going through right here, right now. I don't know why you're watching from home, whether you're sick, you just had a baby, You've got challenges that we don't even know about. But God has got you in the ringer, so to speak. Maybe you haven't felt that today is a good day to praise God, but you're here anyway. I want you to know, whatever you're going through, today is the perfect day. The conditions are perfect for us to praise God. And that's why I want all of us in this room right here, right now, to stand to our feet and to close out this, this time together, encouraging one another, lifting loud our voices. If you're the type of person that raises your hand, it's biblical. I just preached it, y'all. You could do that. That's fine. But I want us to tell God, no matter the conditions of my life, no matter what's happening, you are the only one in my life worthy of every ounce of praise that I could give you, God.